Good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, everybody who listens to the Full Court Press podcast. It is I, your host, Prince himself. We are here for episode seven. Yes, I said episode seven. Yes, I know we missed last week. Our apologies, but um, I, I don't have any excuses for y'all, really. I don't even remember where I was last week. But of course, I'm joined here by Sean Lowry and Brooklyn Barney and themselves. Um, again, I'm not going to ask them how they're doing. They don't really provide answers. First of so, all, you, uh, why, yeah, why I, are you going to ask me? I'm not I'm not even feeling that great. I'm playing injured right now. Jacked up from my allergies. Oh, okay. So so when you're not well is when you want to tell us about your day, but when you're well, you don't want to talk about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't, and, and I also didn't realize, you know, I didn't want to put your personal business out there because the last time you got on me, when I put uh, Bari's business out there, so I didn't want to put your business out there, but now it, it, it's my fault. Okay, <laughs> I see I see how things go. All right. So uh, how how are you guys then? How are you guys? Well, I just told you how I was doing. All right. I mean, I'm okay. I'm good. I mean, ain't nothing to complain about. I'm good over here. Usual, usual answer. You see how these people... Okay. All how right. are you, anyway, Abe? I, I, look, look, we're just going to move on. Yeah. We're going to get started with the mm-hmm. episode. So, <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, while we were away, um, the NBA announced a couple of uh, made a few new announcements regarding their awards. Parts of that announcement was the fact that we now are getting a regular season award given to the best team. Of course, that it received a lot of pushback, as I can imagine we'll get into here. But they also came uh, redesigned some of the current awards and made them new with complete different looks. So, all in all, I'm about to tell you all the new awards announced. And, gentlemen, we're just going to dive into it, uh, what we think of the names. What we, <laughs> You know, there's some some pushback, especially when it comes to the six-man award. Uh, there is some, you know, discussion about the most improved player award. But here are the awards that will be debuting this offseason. The Michael Jordan Trophy, awarded to the NBA's Most Valuable Player. The Jerry West Trophy, awarded to the NBA Clutch Player of the Year. The Hakeem Olajuwon Trophy, awarded to the NBA Defensive Player of the Year. The Wilt Chamberlain Trophy, awarded to the NBA Rookie of the Year. The John Havlicek Trophy, awarded to the NBA Sixth Man of the Year. The George Mikan Trophy awarded to the NBA Most Improved Player of the Year. We also have the Joe Dumars Trophy for sportsmanship, the the Twyman Stokes Trophy for the NBA's best teammate, the Red Auerbach Trophy for Coach of the Year, and the Maurice Podoloff Trophy for the league's best regular season team. Gentlemen, uh, you know, I don't know if you got a chance to look at some of the trophies. The Michael Jordan Trophy, of course, has him uh, depicted on it. I, uh, it's a crystal ball, and apparently they got real specific with the measurements. You know, uh, a lot of the measurements come out to like twenty three or twenty three point six. There are twenty three items. There are six sides. You know, five, five because of his five Finals MVPs, uh, stuff like that. So very specific uh, shit like that. But six, six Finals MVPs. A six finals MVPs, and then I think they gave him five for his five regular season MVPs. 
Shit. Yeah, he did. Regular season MVPs? Yeah, he won five regular season MVPs. So one of the nameplates is like five-sided to to represent that. So really, you know, they're getting into the details and all that jazz. But um, gentlemen, what do you guys think of some of these award names? What do you think about the regular season award? Uh, where, Where are your thoughts at? So I agree with a few. When I say agree, like I don't have much pushback on a few and there there are some that I disagree with. And we were discussing this, you know, when we were pre gaming. The the John Havlicek Six Man of the Year award is something I don't really understand. When we're looking at John Havlicek, he's definitely a all time great six man, but I don't see how he compares to the all time greats. And when I say all time greats of six men, I'm looking at Jamal Crawford, I'm looking at Lou Williams. I mean I'm looking at even uh well not even, but Manu Ginobili. And and these are all guys that, though, are recently retired. They're not, you know, active in the NBA right now. So I know they want to honor the greats and honor the history of the game, but they're definitely um, players that I think are more deserving of of the award. And Abe, you can can you get into what what these guys said on Twitter about it? Absolutely. So Jamal Crawford, the discussion started first off because Jamal Crawford said since we're changing uh, awards and names and whatnot, when are we going to get Kobe, you know, as the logo? And then Lou Williams quote tweeted him and said something to the effect of, um, but we're not going to talk about the elephant in the room, which people were implying meant the six man of the year award, how, you know, Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford are the ones who won it the most. Three times each, I believe. And yet you're giving it to, you know, albeit a legend, who maybe, you know, <laughs> isn't as deserving compared to the fact that you do have to, you know, it makes sense when it comes to the the MVP award being named after MJ. I mean, he won five regular season MVPs. We'll get to that one. I don't have much pushback on that, but we'll yeah we'll definitely get to that one. But in the fact that you know that's and and I have a question attached to that. Do mm-hmm. you think it would have been in the best interest for the NBA maybe to choose names that are closer to the current generation in terms of just publicity, in terms of uh, notoriety, not in a negative sense, but the newer generation is going to know a name like Jamal Crawford over a name like Havlicek for the most part. I just think the NBA, the NBA promotes, I don't know if this is the right word, but I think the NBA promotes gatekeepers in a sense where it's hard for the NBA to, to move on from, from certain aspects of the game, especially when the game wasn't as developed as it is today. So, you know, it's the history of the game and it'll always be referenced, but there, there are definitely, better candidates for for these awards and we started talking about we started off talking about the John Havlicek trophy but before I hand it off to Sean I mean when we look at the uh the most improved player trophy and we were discussing this also the George Mikan trophy this is something that makes even less sense than the Havlicek trophy and I say this because in um in Mikan's rookie season which is 1948 49 he averaged 28.3 points, three and a half assists. Um, you know, all the, all the stats obviously weren't recorded at that time, but he wasn't by any means a bad player. In fact, his best scoring stretch of his career came in career came in his first three years. 
So I don't see how how he defines a, a most improved player. Um, there's definitely a lot of players that have worked on their game that have become all-stars, that have become Hall of Famers, that started off as regular prospects. I mean, even if you're looking at today's players, and yeah, I know that we we aren't selecting players that are active for these awards, but you look at a Kawhi Leonard who pretty much started his career off averaging like 13, 14 points a game. He was a role player off the bench and, and worked his way up role by role, like improving his scoring, improving his defense, um, just just refining his game. And, and becoming a better player, that that to me, and that's over a span of his entire career, leading into even after winning a championship with the Spurs, still improving his game, still getting better to become a franchise player, to get to Toronto and, and help them win a championship. That to me um, encapsulates like what a most improved player should be. And to prematurely give out some of these awards is just, I don't know, it's just bad for the game. You know, with some of these awards, it's just bad for the game to me because there's there's a lot better examples of of players that that have um done what these awards are trying to say or you know to pick. I have so there's some I don't have issues with, and there's some actually I don't have issues with most of them. But I'm gonna give a little pushback. So let's just go down the list. So the Michael Jordan MVP, um, I'm fine with that. But if I was to get pushback, I would give it. I could say. A strong case should go to Kareem, right? Because he has the most MVPs, and I get it's more sexy because you know it's, it's Jordan, um, but Kareem is one of the goats as well, in my opinion. So you can make a strong, strong case for Kareem, and I would not argue with you about that. Um, Hakeem, that's that's I'm a little biased. I ain't gonna lie, like that's my guy. Um, but again, if if I want to get pushed back, right, you could do Matumbo, right? Um, I think even maybe Ben Wallace, um, probably more Matumbo, um, but I'm fine with that. It, it doesn't it doesn't bother me or anything like that. Um, and then the Rookie of the Year, that's that one's easy for me. Will Chamberlain, easy. I don't have a problem with that. The Sixth Man of the Year, yes. Like, what are we doing, right? It, it should be Lou Will or Jamal Crawford easily. Um, maybe I'm being a little biased. Of course, I'll say Lou Will just because he helped the Clippers so much. Um, I mean, he helped every team that he was pretty much on, but he was it was crazy because at one point he was literally the star but coming off the bench for my Clippers. So, um, yeah, him. And then as far as, uh, was it, most improved? Um, yeah, I, I, again, what are we doing with that? For, for most improved, I get it. You know, you want to honor the old heads or whatever it is. Um, but if I had – that one I'm for sure changing. Um, and I'll probably – I mean, maybe I'll get pushed back. I don't know what y'all think on this when I say it, but um, I would actually give it because again I'm going off of like I'm assuming that's the trend they're going off of retired players. Um, I would give it to Tracy McGrady. Um, he averaged seven points his his rookie year, right? And um, when he got most approved, I want to say it was when he averaged like twenty six. Yeah, I think twenty six with Orlando. Um, but he became a franchise player, right? Like, he, he went from a guy like just another guy to being that guy. So he went to, what, seven-time All-Star, two-time um, All-First Team, three-time Second Team, um, two-time Scoring Champion, right? So uh, for me, I think I would I would put him – I mean, you can probably make a case for someone else. I'm tr- I was trying to think of some um, other, you know, players that's retired, but he's a Hall of Famer. So I, I figured, you know, 
get him low with that. As far as much clutch, or, or sorry, clutch player of the year, that one that goes back and forth. So, for example, if you want to change MVP to Kareem, I would give Michael Jordan the, the most clutch player award. Um, now you can make a strong case for Kobe too. I'm, I'm definitely, you know, for sure it should it shouldn't be Jerry West. So if if I kept the list as it is, I for sure would change the most approved, the sixth man, and the clutch player of the year. So if the other three stay, that's fine. I'm I'm cool with that. So sixth man would be if it was up to me, Lou Will. Most approved would be Tracy, and uh, the clutch player would be Kobe. So that would be my award names if I could because and Jerry West he's 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 amazing um but they should name executive of the year for Jerry West if anything that should be that should be his that's 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 a sentiment I shared I think um Jerry should definitely be executive of the year when I saw the clutch player award I I did think of Kobe I know he's not like the all-time clutch leader when you want to go into stats but just going off of his mentality and the eye test, I, I thought Kobe was spitting for sure. And and another point you brought up with the uh, MVP award, I definitely thought that it should go to Kareem because it's a regular season award. Kareem was a regular season beast. He had the most MVPs of all time, which with, um, what was it, six? Um, yeah. Or, yeah, he was up there. So I think I definitely think they should have honored Kareem with that award. But, you know. Now, what do you think about my – Again, I know that you might need to maybe simmer on it, but like, what did you think about the most approved? Because I was just going off of, you know, there's there's some cool, like there's some cool players that's won it. Like, and again, I'm going off of the past, not people that's in the league now. So that also kind of, you know, kind of changes how how I want to grade it. But just from just your first thought, how do you feel about the Tracy McGrady one? Um, I think T Mac is the best example of a a most improved player, and I think that would be more fitting of a award than, you know, what I, I said, Kawhi, but Kawhi is obviously active. And yeah. I think in today's league, we have like today's era, we have the best, most improved players. Yeah, I think of all did. time, like you're talking yeah. about Kawhi, you're talking about Giannis, yeah. like players that, you know what I mean? Like weren't fancy draft picks, but they, you know, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler, exactly. Jimmy Butler, um, who has an amazing story also. So I think we have most of these guys in today's league, but, if you're looking at the best, the best, most improved player story of, I think of a player that's been retired for a good amount of years, then then T Max definitely, um, a great example of it. I didn't even, to be honest with you, until you mentioned his rookie averages, I didn't even know it was that low. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you think that we didn't see a Kobe Bryant um, mention because the All Star MVP award has been named after him? So yeah, want to repeat. So I think I don't think we saw a Kobe mention because they just named the All Star MVP after him. What was that? Mm-hmm. Like the last year or the year before? Mm-hmm. And also, um, since we were just talking about most improved, like Kobe's another guy that, you know, had a didn't have his best rookie season and just continuously got better and better after that. So yeah. he definitely is a candidate for that award. But I think Kobe just as a player, um, his legacy just supersedes that singular award so it definitely have to be something greater than that but you know he is a candidate though yeah Yeah. i think uh for because kobe to my knowledge he never won the most uh improved award and that's the silly part is too i forgot old boy's name what's name uh my ken or whatever whatever Mm -hmm. yeah he's Uh, 
Um, the war wasn't even it, it didn't even exist at the time. Yeah, so that okay. that notion is out the window. That's not yeah. an excuse that anybody could use. That's that's silly. But um, as far as Kobe, yeah, I mean, he already has the award. Now, at the time, everyone applauded it. Now, yeah. you know, people are a little upset or whatever because they're like, "Oh man, how's it not Kobe?" And I get it, but at the time, you know, NBA was trying to do like a a nice gesture, right? Like, hey man, let's name something after him. And obviously, it happened suddenly. So they were like, "Hey, let's do the the All Star." Because he, I remember too, he would always put on the show, right? Yeah. Like he would always put on the show in the All Star. It made game. sense. It made yeah, it made sense. sense, right? So, like again, like hindsight's twenty twenty. So yes, mm-hmm. people mad like, "Oh man, they could have named it Kobe for this for that." Yes, but at the time, again, that was you know that's what they wanted to do. And obviously, at that time, they wasn't thinking, "Hey, we're going to change the award names." And, yeah. you know, and then let's save it for Kobe. So, yeah, in a way, I understand people, you know, being, I guess, annoyed or disappointed with it. But at the same time, he does have an award. Yeah. And those players, that, like, you could tell, too, it meant something to them. I remember Kawhi was the first one to win the award. Like, mm-hmm. it was a huge deal to him and to all those players because Kobe mentored a lot of those players. So, you know. Before we get off this topic, um, does the name Allen Henderson ring a bell to any of you? Allen. Well, that's the guy that won most improved player over Kobe in 97, 98. And he played for the Hawks. Um, yeah. He averaged, shit, he averaged 14.3 that year um, and averaged six and a half the year before. So <laughs> that's all it took. All right. <laughs> he had a pretty long career. He had a 10 seasons. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, a nobody or anything like that. But it's a power forward slash center. But we can move on. Oh, apparently he was LeBron's teammate too. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, my sentiments are very similar to your Sean in a sense of, you know, the Hakeem. Um. That's 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 meaningful. I'm not even gonna argue that one. That's fine to me. I actually appreciate that. The MJ Trophy makes sense. The I have Will- no arguments with Hakeem. Um. Yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, but we have a, a a friend of the podcast that has a problem with that. that oh I Lord, know, I don't know. If this is, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I don't no, know no, if this is serious or not. He's trolling you guys. He's trolling. No, no, look, no, I'm, too, I'm, I'm too oh, bad. Look, look, I'm not. I'm not going to say no one's name, but if anybody, <laughs> anybody wants to debate me about Hakeem, I will gladly have you on. Please, yes, yeah. a debate paid. I am calling everyone out. I do not care. <laughs> That's, that's, they won't that's answer you. Continue. I'm just letting you know that right now. They won't answer. They're not going to do it. But, yes, uh, the Wilt Chamberlain Trophy, that's, as everybody mentioned, that's the easiest no-brainer of them all. Uh, for sixth man of the year, I I get why it's not a more recent player, even though, in my opinion, I think it should be. It helps with the popularity of the game because, you know, the, the more current generation can relate. But you do want to honor legends and this is your way. The uh, most improved player of the year award makes no sense, but whatever. Again, you want to honor. Uh, the coach of the year award makes sense, but I mean, there's definitely people you could go with over uh, Red. Um, Shit, I don't, I don't agree with the coach of the year award. I think he is a, a top coach of all time, but. Yeah, it makes sense, but there are many, options. There there's are too options. many better candidates. Like, I don't um, think I, they'll ever honor Phil that way. No, they, they won't. They won't honor Phil like 
they, you know, like I know Riley, you know, has been an executive for so long now. Like, and Pop is still active, but yeah. my goodness, you don't got to go back to like yeah, when everything was in black and white. Like, facts. But yeah. Could even shit, could even went with Bill Russell if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he could have done that. We should have um, just said no Boston players because they're racist. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Didn't really get into it. Um, I know your your thoughts on it, but the league's best regular season team award basically now going to the best. Yeah, I don't care season. about that. That's, <laughs> That's I, I know everybody's exactly. like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Like, that's silly. And of course, it was pushback because the NHL, for example, has similar has a similar award as well as me. It, 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 I get I get other fans of other sports saying like, "Hey, our sport does this too. What's what's wrong with the NBA doing it?" It's just a matter. Of, it's so new to the NBA, literally, and it you know it's not one of the things that NBA fans really care about. How many times have we seen the number one seed not go on to do much? You know, to underperform. Nobody really cares about. Hey, I'm the number one seed. We've seen everybody's favorite player, LeBron James, not have the number one seed and still make it to the finals. Uh, so winning the best regular season award doesn't really mean much to NBA fans. Um, I don't imagine it means much to NBA players, but hey, you know, in 15, 20 years from now, the next generation will have it be a part of their norm and, you know, there'll be less pushback. It's just going to take time to accept. Uh, but it's very obvious here on the uh, across the three of us of full court press that we all don't really care for it. <laughs> it's not something that we I would hopefully I would hopefully uh, uh, pray that neither of us would ever use this in, in in defense of our teams when we talk about our teams, whether it be the Celtics, the Clippers, or the Nets. Saying like, hey, but we won uh, the. Uh, Maurice Podoloff trophy like four times, you know, that's why we're the best team in, in the past decade. And it's just like, Oh, <laughs> okay. But those discussions will be coming for sure. So we'll get into the next topic, which is basically getting a chance to glow. The season is young. We're about a quarter of the way through, um, a little over a quarter of the way through the season. And each of our teams have been on different trajectories some negative, some positive. But at the moment, I think everybody's trending up positively. So, Sean, Bari, hop on your soapbox and uh, just gloat about your team a little bit. What was the best win of the season for, for y'all, as in y'all opinion? Well, I'll, I'll make this one quick because I know uh-huh. everybody doesn't want to hear me talk about my Celtics. So, I understand. But the biggest win actually came against your squad, Boston. Mm-hmm. Um. And that was just because I got to see a glimpse for once because they clearly never get to play with one another this year. Um, I got to see Kawhi and Paul George play at the same time. And I just got to see a glimpse of what they can possibly be. Um, if they can somehow, I don't know, stop drinking whatever drink they're drinking that makes them hurt all the time. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was just, it was a dominant. That, that's, that was the key thing too. It was a dominant gets a, Against Boston, who right now is what the number one team in the NBA record wise. And they really just, you know, I think after two, right, with the whole talks about uh, the best duo, right, like um, Kawhi and Paul George, it was almost like, okay, we heard it 
but we want to show y'all we're still here too. So um, that was definitely the biggest win. Um, I just hope that we that I can see more of that, especially after was it after uh All Star? That's that's when I'm I'm hoping that's when everyone's healthy, everyone's ready to go. So um, but yeah, it, it was it was definitely that one because that was definitely a dominant dominant win. Um, not to rub it in, you know, but that was a big, that was no, a big. No, rightfully so. You got you got to see uh Kawhi back. I mean, first of all, I'm a I'm a big fan of Kawhi. I love Kawhi, so I was glad that he was back and he was looking good. It is what it is. Anyway, we get a rematch uh, soon. You guys are coming to Boston, so we'll see. True, true. I'm I'm hoping we're healthy by that time. But yes, <laughs> my win of the season. Well, at least up up to this date, is a game that was played last week or exactly a week ago. Um, and that was the Nets versus the Pacers. In that game, we had I'll list the amount of players we had out: KD, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Nick Claxton, Kyrie Irving, Royce O'Neal, Ben Simmons. TJ Warren. There were so many players out actually that the NBA fined the Nets, I think twenty or twenty five thousand for listing um the majority of the team out. And despite despite us having no one available and and playing our pretty much calling up our G League guys, playing our, our second year players, our rookies, um, and whoever just was available for us, we we still managed to to will out a win against Indiana. Um in a in a very close game. We scored forty points in the first quarter. Indiana scored thirty-eight. And then from there on, they definitely outplayed us in the uh the second and third quarters. Then we dropped forty one in the fourth quarter. Um, led by Cam Thomas, um, who had a, a definitely a, a dominant performance and he's been looking just a lot better under Jack Vaughn, who's had, you know, more more confidence in the player that he is and, and can be. Uh he dropped thirty-three. Um Dayron Sharp, our our rookie, sorry, second year center, who who spends most of his time in the G League, dominated the the, the Pacers all night and even outplayed Miles Turner. Um Patty Mills gave us twenty four. Sumner gave us twenty one. Like I said, Sharp he had twenty and twelve. Uh even Markeith Morris stepped up. He had fifteen points, eleven rebounds. It was just a, a statement win against um a young up and coming team that obviously the Pacers aren't the best team, but they were full strength. Um, they've been winning winning games this year. Right now they're a game over five hundred, so they aren't they aren't the worst team. And 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 um, shit. Even Halliburton, he dropped thirty five on us, thirty five and nine in that loss. And I think he had like eight out of nine on threes or seven out of nine on threes. It was just he just couldn't miss at a point. Um, they also had a a decent performance from Buddy. They got some points from from Naismith and Prissett, but it just wasn't enough. We we managed to contain um Benedict Mathurin. Jalen Smith wasn't um he definitely helped off the bench, but you know, it was only so much he could do in thirteen minutes. So yeah, I just that it was definitely our statement when the Nets have been playing much better defense under Jack Vaughn. If you look at our numbers under Nash and and go look at our numbers under Vaughn. It's like night and day, and and these players get up even if even if we aren't discussing the stars, these players get up to play for Vaughn. So, it's definitely something um to to look forward to going into the future that we know our role players can step up and and have confidence in their coach. Pleasure, with great pleasure that I get to announce 
the Celtics suck. All right, on to the next topic. So, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but in my opinion, the best one of the season happened to be very recently, and I choose this win because my brother, Brooklyn Barry, in last episode wanted to, you know, throw shade at the Celtics. And so he brought up Devin Booker and his 72-point performance, which was one of the weakest 72-point um, performances ever in the history of the NBA. You know, uh, a lot of stat padding was done to reach that goal. But that being said, he, he got my p- competitive, petty juices flowing. And when the Celtics played the Suns, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed the utter ass whooping that the Suns face. At some point, we were up by like 48, 45 on them. Uh, <laughs> what happened to be a very tough week for the Suns up until very recently when uh, Devin Booker dropped it. Where they finally beat the Pelicans. When they finally beat the Pelicans, you know, they had to take two L's, which <laughs> had we recorded last week, we would have dove more into it and I would have had a lot more stronger words to say for one of the corniest uh, teams in the league. But I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that asshole. But yeah, gentlemen, everybody, thank you for sharing your uh, best ones of the season. You got a chance to gloat about our teams a little bit. Uh, that being said, we're going to get into the final topic of the episode, which really is going to take up the rest of the episode because we just want to go uh, throughout the conferences, both conference East and West, and really just talk about a, an overview of what we're seeing. You know, like like we said, we're over a quarter of the way through the season. So what are our thoughts given recent updates? We'll start in the Western Conference. Uh, you know, we have a tight, tight race at the moment between the top, what, five to six seeds, which is usually typical of the Western Conference, honestly. But this time around, it's very different from what we're used to. You know, we don't see the the Warriors or the Lakers up at the top. Listen, I don't mean to cut you off, Abe, but the entire Western Conference, as I'm looking at it, from one through eight, and you can include the, include the playing teams too, but just one through eight, are separated by like at a maximum five games. Um, the the one and the fifth seed are separated by two games. Um, and it's for some teams, it's a matter of how many games they've played. So the entire conference is pretty much tight. Um, <laughs> like I I don't know why I didn't pick this up before, but we're looking at a nineteen and ten team in the first seed, and the sixth seed is seventeen and three. That would be the Trailblazers and the Grizzlies, respectively. Or you could look at the third seed. The Nuggets are seventeen and eleven, and and the Jazz, the the eighth seed, are seventeen and fifteen. That's four games apart. Literally the same amount of wins. The Jazz has just played more games, so it's it's an interesting. It's probably even it's it's most interesting between Western and Eastern Conference. Like I haven't seen it this tight. Absolutely, as you mentioned, it's a very tight race across the entire board. We have. The Grizzlies currently uh, holding the number one seed. Um, this is also without John Morant's arguably number two running mate, Desmond Bain, who's expected to be out probably another month with a grade two toe sprain, I believe, or toe injury. Um, we have the Pelicans who, you know, have been red hot, currently sitting at the two position. And that's with 
injuries to Brandon Ingram. CJ McCollum hasn't been having the most efficient uh year. Just a lot of lot of new faces. If we look at the Kings. The Kings are currently fifth. Are they for real? We asked that question before on an early episode, and we said we wanted to wait and see. We've been waiting. We've been seeing. Let's start there. Sean, Barry, are are the Kings, can we take the Kings a bit more seriously? Do they actually have a chance to, to be a playoff team, or will they drop and be a playing team or completely drop out the race? Um. Looking at the teams that are below the Kings, it's hard to say that they'll maintain the fifth seed. So right now they're currently in the fifth seed. Um, the, the Trailblazers are right behind them. But healthy, you know, we're looking at the Clippers, who are the seventh seed. We're looking at the Mavericks, the Luka Doncic-led Mavericks, who are the ninth seed. The Warriors are the 11th seed. The Lakers are the 12th seed. So it's hard to say the uh, Kings will maintain the seeding that they're in now, but I do think that they'll be in the playoffs at the end of the year. Whether that's the play-in or playoffs, I do think that they'll be within the first um, 10 seeds rather than the outside looking in like they've usually been for the last better half of my life. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm actually all in on the Kings. Um, I know I joked about um, <laughs> like the silly stuff Mike Brown was doing. I actually liked the hire when it did happen originally just because this is a young team, and I felt like Mike Brown is good for that. Now, obviously, if they continue to build right and they have championship aspirations, I don't think he's the guy for them then. But as of right now, yeah, I love how hard this team's playing. I mean, they smacked my Clippers. Um, But, yeah, I actually believe that they are a legit contender. now, I do think they'll probably end up being in a play-in, but I think that's them being like the seventh seed, seventh to eighth seed. Um, but I guess, I guess though, if I, if that's the case, then right, then like, who is? Because it, it based off of that, that means well, right now Jazz is eight, so that means what the Mavericks are nine, the Warriors are eleven, and the Lakers are twelve, who just lost AD for a month. Right, and they was kind of on a little win streak before the injury. Um, I guess that would be my only because I don't believe in Jazz. I think the Jazz will eventually just decide, hey, okay, you know, we're gonna tank or something like that. Um, but who knows? I could be wrong. They could be in the play in the West because then it comes down to who's out. Like I don't think the Timberwolves make the playoffs. I've been saying I I didn't believe in them. Um, but then it goes to the Mavericks, who I think will will get together. And the Warriors, even though they just lost Curry as well. Um, so I guess my question would be for y'all, just looking at the standings, how it is currently, do you guys think, uh, just even those last four teams, 9 through 12, do you think uh, Mavericks, Timberwolves, Warriors, and Lakers, well, Lakers, I think they're gone, but that's just my opinion. Um, but do you guys think that they can basically make it in the playoffs? So when you say playoffs, do you are we talking playing as well or? Um, yeah, yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll hold your feet to the fire. So let's say play in, and then I want you to actually narrow it down even more to who's the actual final eight. Okay, okay. So for playing game, I actually do see with the recent injuries to the Warriors and the Lakers. While we are, you know, we're not even at the halfway point of the season just yet. 
losing AD for a month, who has been dominating, you know, these last few games and is a main component of why uh, they've been winning, is going to hurt them even more. Because now you're putting the onus on LeBron, and this season the onus hasn't, it, it, I don't know. It, it's, LeBron hasn't been the dominant, you know, like, I'm going to win this game for us that we know he can be. And usually that's the case uh, until the he second half. 38. Yeah, I mean, he is 38. You know, he's Wash King, hashtag all that jazz, right? Uh, the Warriors losing Curry. It, I, if I believe AD out is going to hurt the Lakers, I have to believe Curry out is going to hurt the Warriors at the end of the day. Uh, so as a result, Mavs, you know, Timberwolves, is Cat back? I know he was out for a while. Um, he's still and, out, to my knowledge. He's, yeah, so he's so. still out. Well, I mean, <laughs> that hurts the Timberwolves, too. You know, uh, Rudy Gobert missed a game or two as well. He's dealing with an injury. I don't know. I, I have the most confidence in the Mavericks as a result, definitely being one of the teams getting it in. Uh, getting in from If they stay at this uh, seating, I see the Mavericks getting into the playing games and as well make it into the playoff. Um, we've seen what Luka could do. So at that point, it's a matter of matching up. If somehow, somehow the Mavericks can match up with the Suns, I, I feel very confident. <laughs> I feel very confident in Luka and the Mavs to, you know, get an upset there again because it just seems like Luka loves to rise to the occasion, especially versus the Suns. As, you know, supposedly many other teams, according to DeAndre Ayton. Um when I look at the Jazz, you know, I'm I'm definitely kind of disappointed because I was high on them given how their start was. Uh, they've kind of fell back to earth a little bit, but as Sean pointed out, everybody is close from as Jabari pointed out, everybody is close from basically one to thirteen. To be honest, <laughs> there's a span of eight games separating one to thirteen, and you know, with so much game left, eight games is not actually too bad a deficit to overcome, right? Um, yeah, I, I want the Jazz too, but who knows? Now there is going to be a team that takes a fall back, right? That's going to fall some. And maybe it's just because this is what I was thinking and it didn't happen. I thought the Suns would take, I mean, they have taken a little bit fall back, but I thought they would, I thought they would, Um, what's it called, have a, even, basically, I thought they would have even a bigger fallback, but they haven't yet. I thought they would probably be in the playing, basically, and they're not. So, mm-hmm. I guess my question would be, do you guys think that the Suns will be in the top half, top five seed, or do you think they'll they'll kind of drop some? And this is they'll no Suns hate, five. by the way, for those Phoenix fans. I'm just asking because, for me, like I said, that run they made to the, uh, what's it called, to the championship, um, to me, that was one of those lightning in the bottle type of situations. So I'm just curious if you guys think they'll they'll be able to be dominant in the regular season to stay in the top four. So while while I agree that they had a a lightning in the bottle run to to make that finals run, I do think they'll maintain a top um, let's say top five, top six seeding in the okay. Western Conference. Um, this is based off of how the Suns play without. Um, Aiden, when he isn't available, how they play without CP3. Um, I credit that to Coach Monty Williams. I think he's a great coach. And I think that he has good preparation when it comes to his guys. So a guy like Cameron Payne can come in and step in for CP3 and give, you know, at times really get great production. Um, 
they can plug in like Biombos and and you know guys like that to to cover for eight and and yeah they'll miss a beat but they won't miss too much of a beat. Um, as long as Devin Booker remains healthy, I I think the Suns remain a top five seed. The lowest I can see them going is six. I don't think they'll fall into playing yet. Maybe like next year or something. I don't know. So then I I hope I'll ask both of you guys. Um, I I kind of did already, but um. And again, it doesn't have to be seating order. Just who is your who is your prediction of who's the last eight that makes the playoffs? Like in no specific order. So if you said, you know, whatever, the the Blazers, that doesn't mean you think they're the number one seed. But just who you think is the – because obviously later on, right, we'll kind of – kind of. So so you're asking, teams. like, basically give you eight teams that are going to be one That's through eight. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They don't have to be in order, but yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, without like, no order, but definitely the Grizzlies, mm. definitely the Pelicans, definitely the Nuggets, um, definitely the Suns. Those are my four teams that are a hundred percent in. Okay. Those four teams, and you know, ironically, those are the top four right now, but they're staying in. Mm-hmm. Um, now looking at the rest, like I, my heart wants to say Clippers. I just I can't predict those guys' health. But they're four yeah. games over five hundred. Um, I haven't heard anything like to to kind of point to like, oh, it's gonna be season ending for Paul George or Kawhi again. So yeah. I'm putting the Clippers in my eight, like in that eight. I don't at no specific order, but yeah. that's the fifth choice so far. Um now now I'm picking between I gotta pick the Warriors. I'm sorry. So the Warriors though they're the eleventh seed, I'm still putting them in the top eight. I think yeah. things will change. I have faith in um Steve Kerr teams they still got yeah Curry's gonna be out for I think maybe about two to three weeks maybe more he got to get reevaluated but they have a lot of people on that team talking about Clay Wiggins um lottery picks and Wiseman and Kaminga like they got to figure it out and I think they will so I'm including the Warriors in that I'm including the Mavericks so that's seven for me so far now now it comes down to the Kings Trailblazers and the uh, Jazz Jazz and I guess Timberwolves if you want no, nah, I don't. So the Kings, the Trailblazers, and the Jazz. I think the Jazz are playing above um normal. I think they might possibly be in the play-in on the outside half of the uh of the eight. But I think they'll drop a little bit. And right now they're at eight. So I think they'll, you know, drop a little bit more. Um, so that leaves the Kings and the Trailblazers. That's tough for me. Honestly, it's tough for me. Um I'm gonna go with the youth and pick the Kings. I like Ooh. I like um coach Chauncey Phillips for the Trailblazers, but uh it's it's a lot of question marks there. Um they rely a lot on 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 youth and and Simons and and um one guy I'm forgetting off the bench, uh Nurkic like he comes and he goes like yeah. depending on the matchup, he's dominant or he's just a ghost. Uh Dame has been great as of late, but I need to see consistency from him. And I've been seeing consistency from the Kings, from Fox, from um, from uh, just just the guys, Sabonis, the guys they have over there. Like I'm, I'm gonna, and also I think Brown is a as much of a proven defensive coach as people think Phillips will eventually be. So mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Kings and and put the I'll put for the playing since I already picked eight for the playing. I'm taking the Blazers, the Jazz. The Lakers and the Wolves. Mm, 
Okay, okay. So you got you got new got the newbies in there, the kings that they're filing in that drought. Huh? Yep. They're right at the uh-huh. end. Uh, what about you, Abe? So, no particular order. I do have the Grizzlies, Pelicans, Nuggets. I do have the Suns. Um, definitely being a comfortable team that makes the playoffs. Um, that gives me four. I do have, if Clippers are healthy, I have the Clippers in there too. So, that's five. Mavericks, six. Warriors, I, I, I don't know. Curry being out for so long, I don't know. That really hurts, in my opinion. Just because, while yes, uh, Barry, I agree with you, they have a lot of good pieces and whatnot. The it's Warriors, a good system, too. They have a good system, but the Warriors, I mean, Curry is is the engine. I mean, Curry has been putting up really strong numbers all season. He's averaging mm-hmm. over 30. You, you're losing that for a month, and you're asking other guys to put on more load. Like, yes, we're happy to see Clay is is coming back true to form, but now you're putting the pressure on an aging, you know, uh, uh, hurt Clay. That's that's kind of crazy to me. I wouldn't call it pressure, only because they just won a championship. Yeah, they did. Like, I don't with, think they have pressure Curry to, there, you know. I don't think they have pressure to to win regular season games. I don't think they overreact to losses. I don't. I'm not saying that either. But if you're going to lose Curry, I don't see how you have more confidence in Warriors. Being well, able to it's only been announced that he's going to be out for two weeks. Um, they think it might that's, be that's longer like, too. I mean, so, it could be. It could be longer than two weeks. But like, we'll see. If it's announced to be like, let's say six weeks, or he's missing two months, then yeah, you know, it would be the perfect time to, I guess, go into their tank or whatever the case may be. I just don't see. I know Curry's the system. I've always called Curry the system of Golden State and how they play pretty much is designed around Curry as a as a primary I don't want to say playmaker, as a primary it's option, a as a as a know. number one option. Like they they design sets off of him, but I I've seen Golden State play without Curry. Like I mean, I've seen them have... do this on multiple occasions and, and still be successful in the regular season. I mean, not talking about playoffs or I'm just saying to win a game, like to go out there and win a game, they can do this without Curry. And I'm saying depending on how long Curry is out, I don't feel comfortable saying that the Warriors are a team that, you know, as we're going through the list, I was able to name the first four pretty confidently. Mm-hmm. Now we get to, I named six, I believe, because yeah, I included, six, yeah, so this is now uh, seven. Now. Seven, what's seven? You know, we you know how the Warriors don't. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, that's, I'm, no, that might stance is that i do not have the warriors <laughs> i don't oh, have them in there <laughs> there's no swaying me it's depending on how long curry is out i don't have the warriors in there oh. i i just don't have confidence in the timberwolves did i say Mavs? yes i did say yes Mavs. yes so you're um, doing seven and uh or not in order but yeah not in order and your eighth team that you think so i give you what jazz, uh, you <laughs> jazz. the jazz put, so he I'll has the jazz, jazz and the mavericks and that has the, one superstar but the and, Warriors are missing one superstar and they can't get back. Okay. So then, so then, yeah. Be, and then, I'll literally, go, no one plays for Dallas except for Luca. Well, okay. Yeah, that Luca can definitely probably get into a playing game. That's probably how the okay. Mavericks make it. So, um, so then, Tim, uh, Trailblazers, Kings, and, uh, Kings, 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 Kings. The Warriors are what? I one game back from the Mavericks. What about Trailblazers? <laughs> I can't disrespect what the Kings have been doing this season. Uh, they oh, are yeah. still a top five offense, I believe. Um, if not, still top two. Okay. Uh, let's throw the Kings in there. Let's just, okay. let's see so what they got, have. So you got the Kings and the Jazz. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm because I I was high on the Jazz early on, and the, you know I'm not going to completely abandon them just yet. No, um, I mean what what they've been doing is definitely you know yeah. amazing. Um, and you know I was wondering if it was sustainable. I still don't necessarily think it is, but. You know they're they're playing. It's possible. It, it depends on what we get at the trade deadline because I always ask, are they going to be uh, sellers or buyers? And yes. even during their hot streak, you know they could still be sellers to to unload some of that talent. You know Jordan Clarkson could probably be moved for some pieces. You know how Ainge likes his pieces. So the the Jazz are up in the air still. But since I was high on them in the beginning, yeah. And as for you, Barry, yeah, like I said, depending on how long Curry is out. If he's out for a long period of time, I just don't see it. If he's not out for too long, by all means, you know, the Warriors are the Warriors. But depending on how long Curry is out, to make a I don't playing have to... game, you think they need Stephen Curry to make Again, a playing game? Like, I don't, I don't, to, I just, I'll never, we, I'll, there's nothing you can say to make me be said, like, okay, you Abe. said top eight, you said top eight. You, you went into further detail you just, to give your extra four did, to give did your you not just game. say you think I the Jazz can make a playing game? game. I said that I could put the Jazz in my top eight. I in just top my eight. top eight. Okay. I just named my top yeah. eight. I didn't yeah. say any team who's doing the playing game. I'm not even going into that because that yeah. gets more complicated. The That's extra true. top eight, I gave top eight. Okay, so I'll give my top eight then real quick. Since I, I don't think I gave mine. So um, Grizzlies, Pelicans, Clippers, Nuggets, um, Timberwolves, Warriors. Mavericks, Suns. Not in no particular order. That's eight. That's eight, right? Uh, Grizzlies, Pelicans, Nuggets. Uh, what did I say? Clippers, Grizzlies, Pelicans, Nuggets, Clippers, Blazers, um, Mavericks, six. Blazers, Mavericks, Warriors, seven. Warriors. And then I said uh, Suns. Suns. That's eight. So I left out the King, even though I, ironically, right, I said I do believe that they can make the playoffs. But if you're just holding my feet to the fire, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying, and again, I'm rooting for you, King fans. Like I hope y'all, I hope y'all prove me wrong. But I think y'all make the plan. Um, I would love if y'all did make the playoffs. That'd be pretty cool for y'all. But yeah, that's that's my. So I think I have what the Kings out, Lakers, Timberwolves, um, Jazz, Jazz, yeah. You have the Kings out, the Lakers. So the Lakers are out as is right now. Yeah, yeah. I have the Lakers the out. I have out. the Timberwolves out, and I have uh the Jazz out. The Jazz falls out of and the Kings. Eight, and, the Kings. and the Kings. So, so you have the Kings making the biggest drop. Everyone else is pretty much out of the eight except yeah. for. The I Jazz think the Kings make the play in, but you know, like Abe said, I didn't want to try to dive into all that. But yeah, yeah. And again, like I, I'm saying this after saying that I think the the Kings can make the playoffs, but I'm just saying if. If you're holding my feet to the fire, because that's more so, right? Like the Kings is more of a good story, good a feel good story. Cinderella so, team kind of. Yeah, so I'm more so like, okay, can they maintain it? It's almost like with the Jazz, but I believe in the Kings way more than I believe in the Jazz. So, mm-hmm. all right, so that'll conclude our talk about the West. So we're gonna go to the East, where it's still a pretty close race. You know, it's not uh, despairingly so after the two seed. Uh, you know, you have 11 losses, the 20 and 11 Cavs, and then currently in 11th is the 11 and 17, you know, Bulls, six-game difference. However, that being said, the two best teams in the Eastern Conference are the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Both teams are currently getting healthier. The Celtics returned Time Lord just this past weekend. 
Um, and the Bucks have had Middleton back for a few extra games uh, prior to the Celtics. So, gentlemen, we're looking at that. You know, we look at the the Cavs, who have been consistently hovering at that three seed all th- throughout the entire season. They've been consistent in being the top three seed. So, give them uh, kudos to that. The Nets, who, you know, early in the season were the butt of many jokes, given the aftermath of the Harden trade, you know, the Kyrie situation, well, the majority of the Kyrie situation, firing a Steve Nash. They are, I believe, 11-3 at the time of this recording, 11-3, currently the fourth seed. You have the 76ers, who have Embiid, Harden is back. Um, Maxi, I believe, is still out. You have the Knicks, who have been on a recent win streak, but at the end of the day, the Knicks are the Knicks. Then a the Pacers, the Heat. Gentlemen, what are we looking at when we come to the East? Which teams do you have uh, confidence in will continue to maintain their pace? What are some surprises that you think might occur? Uh, do you see the Pacers staying at the bottom, possibly missing? Or do you see them rising up? Where do you see the Cavs, the Nets, et cetera, et cetera? Sean? So, like you said, the Knicks been on a nice win streak. They've won six in a row. Um. I don't believe I don't believe in the Knicks. I have to I have to see it to believe it. Now R.J. Barrett has been playing better because before he couldn't buy a bucket, so he is playing better. Um, and I'm surprised right now about my Hawks, and I do remember I do own up to it because I said it before the off season or before the season started. I should say, I said um, I thought the Hawks, and and I, I'm gonna stay to that pick. I said that I think they can make the Eastern Conference Finals. Right now, they're not helping me at all because they're fifteen and fifteen. However, um, Devontae Murray has been out uh, for the past few weeks. And- yeah, he has, but mm-hmm. it it goes back to for me, they have to really buy in on defense, mm-hmm. and they have to stop acting like they accomplished like something. Right? Like I don't know what it is <laughs> Murray and and Trey be acting like like they get the world beaters at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got to kind of just really lock in because everyone's gonna follow their lead, but. Um, yeah, the Pacers, they're a great story. I don't believe in them. Um three and seven yet. in their yeah. last ten games. Huh? They're three and seven in their last ten games, so they've been really cheap. Yeah. So, you know, they're a nice young team. They're just not there yet. Um but it if like the Cavs, I did pick pick the Cavs to be a top four seed, so they're making me look good. Uh they're the number three seed right now. Um, but if you if I guess in no particular order, um, I would have Celtics, Bucks, Cavs, Sixers, uh, Nets, Hawks, um, Heat. And I need one more. Uh, you know what? No, I'm gonna go with. Before you say anything, go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume your last one's between the Raptors and the Bulls. Yes. Well, no, no, the Bulls are cooked. No. Okay, is it Raptors it, and someone Raptors else? And, Raptors and uh, Knicks. Pacers? Raptors and Knicks, okay. Yeah. okay. Oh, like, so you got the like Pacers that. out too? Yeah, I have, yeah, yeah. I have them out. Yeah. So I'm going to go just because I like their culture. I like their coach. They're going to get together. I'm going to say Raptors. Mm-hmm. That's my Currently um, three and seven in their last ten as so, well. <laughs> so to go over yours real quick, Sean, you picked the Celtics, the Bucks, the Cavs. Um, the 76ers, the yeah. Nets, the Heat, yes, the Hawks. the Hawks. Hawks and the Raptors, yes. That's your eight, yes. Okay. Knicks and Pacers fall out. 
Knicks and yeah. Pacers and Chicago. Oh yeah, Knicks and Pacers fall out in Chicago. Chicago's stays cooked. Out. We definitely yeah, got Chicago about stays out. I don't know what's going on with them. Um, they are as well three and seven in their last ten. Yeah, I'm trying to find a discrepancy. Honestly, I'm tr- I'm trying to do something different, but I can't. It's, I have the same eight. That's why I wanted um Sean to go over what he just said. I have the same exact eight. I have the Knicks out. I have them falling out. I have um, the Raptors coming back in into the top eight. I think the Raptors are just a better coach team. I think Nick Nurse is still a top coach, and and honestly, they play above the talent that they that they have. There's no big names there. They just play hard and win games. And though they haven't, they've been um, three and seven in their last ten. I think they'll pick it back up, just like I think with the Knicks being seven and three in their last ten. I think they'll fall back off at some point. Um, so yeah, I have the same the same eight as Sean. I think the plan will look like uh the plan will be Indiana, it'll be New York, it'll be Indiana, New York, Chicago, and DC. I think that's what the plan looks like. Okay. Same as eight and no order though. Yeah. As of right now I look at it, um I have to agree. I, I believe also, the Pacers are going to be sellers at the deadline. Something tells me that Miles Turner has to be moved. I, I, there's been so Miles much. Miles Turner is advertising himself to be moved. Yeah, and there's been so much talk over the years. You know, he was almost traded a couple of times. I, I think maybe the other shoe finally drops. Um, and especially given the youth of the team, maybe they'll try to continue to add on. So he, that's he's why had, I don't He's have had to... a few good games this season. He's currently the 24th ranked player in uh categories fantasy so he does a lot of different things um there's one thing i'd say about him is he needs to step up to to certain matchups uh i i just feels like he doesn't really dominate like when he's playing opposing stars or not calling him a star but when he's playing people that are stars or superstars at his like position Zubac? yeah like zubak like, <laughs> I mean, like even, even earlier in the, in the episode i mentioned he got outplayed by our center that doesn't even get minutes, Dayron Sharp, who's a second-year player. Um, he's just not – he's not dominant. Great shot blocker. He's been a decent three-point shooter this year, so he stretches the floor. He has a lot of tools that teams can use, but he's just not dominant at, at anything in specific. So, Well, well defensively, he's barbecue chicken because there's no way Zubox could have been dominant against the Raptors. That's how mm-hmm. – That's all Turner is is a shot blocker. If he yeah. misses that block, like – you're probably going to score. <laughs> and honestly, there are better shot blockers out there for cheaper that you can get, too. Well, um, well, before, I mean, shit, since, since you mentioned it, um, in the top five shot blockers of the season, KD and Claxton of the Brooklyn Nets are, are in that. But go ahead. Yeah. Um, so I will – This is, I'm going to make only one change that you two don't have. Mm-hmm. And this is only because I've said it for a few years now um, that when – MSG is playing meaningful playoff games. That's good for the sport of basketball. Um, and I'm just going to continue to ride that philosophy. I do believe that the Knicks... So I, I have the Raptors out. I have the Raptors out. I do believe that the Knicks will be in only because I I need them to be. <laughs> I just need I need MSG to have meaningful play playoff games. You know, they got to it last year, and I was very happy, even though the Hawks absolutely trashed them but i believe that the knicks you know 
they can they can do enough just to get it. They can do enough just to get in, and they need to further make some more changes so they can just get beyond. Hey, let's just barely make it in. Let's actually do something. So I do have the Knicks in over the Raptors. If the standings remain anything like they are now, it'd be great to get a, a round one Nets versus Knicks series. That'd be, it, it'd be impressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly, and I would I would prefer a Knicks versus Hawks, but the Hawks, the I way the Hawks are playing. And they need – I understand that DeWante Murray has been out. That hurts. Clint Capella will be out for about a month. So they, they are starting to get hit with injury bug. Those two absences happening simultaneously, overlapping at the least, is definitely going to hurt Trey and Collins and them. Because like you mentioned, Sean, if they're not going to buy in defensively, what's the point? Um, so I think once once they get healthy again, especially once they get Murray back, we'll start seeing more winning Hawks basketball. But it, well, well, the Hawks at least he's going to – They yeah. have to get out the playoffs. They, yeah. If they don't, they're cooked. Like, they're cooked. They're not beating uh, was it Celtics or Bucks who's the number one. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. The Hawks is not beating them. They're not – no. They're hot. So Hawks they need to good. they need to get healthy quick. Um, yeah, again, yeah. fortunately, Murray is on the latter end of that recovery process as we're talking about this. So unless there are any setbacks, I do have the Hawks in. Yeah. I do have the Knicks in. Real quick, too, I, I want to give a shout out to uh, the Nets as well, real quick, just because since Kyrie came back, you know the whole mm-hmm. yeah, the drama stuff, all that good stuff. If it really feels like the Brooklyn has really just came together. You know, really bought in, kind of like us against the world type of thing. And since Kyrie's came back, they're eleven and three, and he's been playing ridiculous. He he made that game winner the other the other game. Um, and I remember KD even said like the play was designed for him, but he gave it to Kyrie because he knew Kyrie was hot. So you know, they just really seem like they're really enjoying playing with one another. The whole team seems to really be buying in with the coaching. I still obviously have my questions when it comes to Simmons and when it comes to the playoffs, but. They're really making some noise in in the uh, in the East right now, so they could definitely move up the. Very, very. I, I want to comment on on what Sean just Real said quick, about. Uh, Go ahead. Go but ahead. one of those losses was to my Celtics. Just wanted oh, to reiterate that. You can go back to the last episode. Just wanted to reiterate. Uh, we were supposed to talk up about the Celtics regardless because they went two and zero versus the uh, Nets and the Suns. Uh, Bart, I wanted to remind you because you had been adamant that we'll talk about it, you know, if, if you know, we take an L in one of those two games. And I just want – we took two dominant wins. But continue, continue. Let's let's talk about the uh, the recent good news about the Nets that don't involve the Celtics since they don't have any good news in that department. But, but go on. Go I, I don't on. know. It's like – it's almost like the Celtics and Nets both haven't won a championship in, like, the last decade. But anyway – um regardless so, so going back to what Sean just said so, so, so going back to what Sean just said coach Jack Vaughn said that the play, the play um against Toronto where Kyrie hit the game winner was originally drawn up for KD and I just had some blowback on why it was drawn up for KD now KD's been um one of the best players this season as you know per usual with KD but going against Toronto KD's always struggled he's always has problems they had their wing heavy you're talking about Siakam, OG. You're talking about Scotty Barnes. Now you look at Kyrie, who was already hot. You look at his matchups. We're talking about like Fred Van Fleet and and just guards that he can typically take advantage of. Not that size matters with Kyrie, but I think 
the play should have been drawn up for Kyrie in the first place. Um, he just has more favorable matchups um, going against the Raptors, who, again, like I said, are wing heavy. And I'm just glad that KD had the awareness to to know that, okay, Kyrie's hot and he has, you know, better matchups than I do. So let me pass it off for him to take that shot. Um, so, yeah, that was just my comment on that. Jack Vaughn is, our, you know, this is his first head coaching gig, you know, as far as him having the job and not being an interim. So he's definitely allowed to make mistakes. And, and we're happy with just what he's been doing with, with the next as, Nets as of late. Um, we're eight and two in our in our last 10. That's the best record in the league in the last 10. And like Sean said, um, what is it, 10 or 11 and three since Kyrie's come back. So there's not, there isn't many complaints. We have one more game against, uh, you know, one of the subpar teams. And then we have a, a, a decent stretch coming up where we're going to be challenged playing a few teams like uh, the Warriors, the Bucks, and the Cavs, who, you know, the Bucks and Cavs are both right above us in the standings, and the Warriors just, you know, are reeling but aren't a team that we can sleep on just because Steph isn't there. So should be interesting the next four games for Brooklyn. Yeah, absolutely. So that is our uh, wrap-up about the Eastern and Western Conference, but we are going to remain with the Eastern Conference only because of recent comments made by a certain player on a different team related to the Nets. That would be James Harden currently, who just came back recently from injury. And um, if Harden decided to uh, share some thoughts on his time with the Nets, and this is what he had to say. I don't mean to like just talk down to anybody or whatever. It was just there was no structure, and even superstars, they need structure. That's what allows us to be the best players and leaders for our respective organizations. This was said in an interview with Fox Sports. Harden uh, continued on to dispute that he gave up, a.k.a. quit, on the Nets. I just feel like eternally, things weren't what I expected when I was trying to get traded there. I think everybody knows that. And I knew people were going to talk and say, you quit and all that stuff. But then the following summer, the other the other superstar there, a.k.a. Kevin Durant, wanted to leave. So it's like, am I still the quitter? Bari, I know on Facebook you had uh, some thoughts to share and you put it uh, quite simply. Um, so, Sean, what were your thoughts on this on this Harding comment? I mean, I don't think he's wrong about the structure. Um, I've been saying that with Nash. There was really no system in place. No one really being held accountable. But it's just funny hearing that from James Harden, talking about, you know, there was no real system and all that good stuff when <laughs> he was the system, right? So he had to actually change his play. Because with the Rockets, I mean, let's be honest, it was like, okay, James, you dribble, dribble, dribble to the shot clock runs down to about four or five seconds and you either make a play or you shoot the ball. So it's just kind of funny in that regard. And I feel like he's not taking ownership. Like, again, there's everyone was at fault. You know, you can point to different fingers, like the organization, if you want to, I guess, get mad. Because I, I think there was, like, reports at one point or something like or Or maybe that was just Stephen A talking nonsense. I don't know. But basically, like, James Harden was rubbed the wrong way with the Kyrie stuff, not being able to play, all that good stuff, right? Which is definitely understandable. But you asked to go there, right? You asked knowing the situation, 
not maybe necessarily knowing everything, but you know, I mean, we know how Kyrie's personality is. You know that they have Steve Nash as a coach. Like, if you was really paying attention, you would see, okay, Nash is the best X's and O's type of, type of guy. So, um, even if you pay attention to their offense, you'd be like, okay, it's literally just a AAU basketball, as I would call it. So, maybe that was appealing to him, where he's like, oh, shoot, I can kind of do what I do with the Rockets, but it's going to be on steroids. Maybe that's what he thought. I don't know. But I feel like he... He's not wrong, but I guess it just comes off as him saying it's everyone else's fault. And like, oh, look at KD wants to leave too. So like, yes, just like I, I said before, I got on KD about it. Like, hey, regardless if you, I guess you was okay with it or whatever, but you and Kyrie basically was kind of on agreement is, hey, we don't really need a coach like that. Get someone to kind of help us out with certain things. But at the end of the day, you know, we can make things happen. And so you was fine with Nash still being a coach, he was fine with some of the moves that was being made until it wasn't working. So I also got on KD for that because I'm like, bro, this is what you wanted. You wanted to play with Kyrie. You wanted to go to Brooklyn. You was okay with Nash. You didn't give no pushback at the very least. So, hey, no, this is like, you know, we're trying to win a championship. We feel like we're a championship contending team. We need a more established coach, not a first-time coach. But, again, I know Kyrie. Kyrie's the one that said it. But KD didn't get no pushback on it, like, oh, no, you know, we could probably use someone that's more experienced or whatever the case is. So um, if I got on KD for, you know, saying he needs to be held accountable on certain things, for sure Harden needs to be accountable. Because even when he was with, uh, what, when he came to Philly, he didn't look like James Harden. He still looked out of shape. You know what I mean? Like, you was getting tired. You Like, you wasn't playing your best basketball when you was in Brooklyn. So, whose fault is that? So, that's how I kind of look at it in that aspect. To kind of zone in on Harden's comments, I don't have much pushback on what he said about the organization and, and, and what he needs to succeed. Because I think that players find, you know, success in, in different approaches, whether it be from the coach or how the doctors are, the trainers. Um, so, you know, what what James needs to succeed may be something that Philly has figured out. And I'd probably say that's more so the case because um, Philly's GM was, was Harden's GM in Houston, you know, during his prime years and, and all of that. So it's no pushback there. The the Nets were far from a, a perfect org- organization, um, especially the, uh, the coaching that Sean just mentioned, like with the, in the Steve Nash era, but this is still a, a team that he forced his hand to come to. Um, though the topic is Harden quitting on the Nets, he had to quit on the Rockets to get to the Nets, and he did just that by you know not taking his training seriously and bulking up and eventually getting his wish and having having us send assets to Houston so that we can land him. Um, he eventually slimmed down and you know, gave us minutes and, and gave us, you know, just gave us whatever production he felt that he could give us, but that led right back into an injury. And what hasn't been talked about lately is there was reports coming into training camp last year that KD had a problem with um, James's condition and, and the way that he came came into camp because after his injury in the playoffs against the Bucks, Harden didn't really 
Um, he didn't really train. He didn't do much physical exercise. It was just rehab and Paris with a little baby and stuff like that. So it wasn't like, you know, that it just it isn't the same thing that KD and, and, and Kyrie are used to doing when it comes to, you know, prepping for basketball and they're just different people. So it's, it's, you know, like I can, I can understand that this wasn't the best situation for James, but to, to, to point to KD situation to, to call him a quitter for requesting a trade, I just don't see it as accurate because if we call him KD a quitter for requesting a trade, we got to go back to a lot of situations and I'm including Kobe in this because Kobe famously requested a trade and didn't receive one and life went on and he went on to win. But but regardless of if he won or not, is Kobe a quitter because he requested a trade or would he be a quitter if the trade went through? So, I mean, that's just another question. Um, Yeah. KD asked out. It didn't work out. He didn't get out. We didn't trade him. Um, He's currently hooping for the Nets. He isn't, he didn't quit on the team. He asked for a trade. Yes, but he didn't have to quit to get what he wanted. Um, he didn't have to do the same things that Harden had to do to get out of two different situations. So um, I just think Harden lacks accountability in certain situations. Um, and he's not really a, a – I don't like, I don't fear Harden um, as far as on a basketball level. Like he's not a feared player in my opinion anymore. We started to see that with the Nets. He would show glimpses of, okay, I can do things that I used to do but not really on that level. But even in um even in his short time back, because he came back from injury about three weeks ago, he's been primarily a distributor, which is okay, you know, when you have players like Embiid and a bunch of shooters and spacing. But he isn't a feared player. And if you guys want to go back to last year, right after that trade between the Nets and the Sixers, go look at how Kyrie played Harden. I mean shit, go look, go go check the highlights. In Philly, Ben Simmons wasn't playing yet. He took his food. He ain't let him do nothing. Defended him. Ain't give him no space. Ain't let him drive. Ain't let him do nothing. This is coming from Kyrie Irving, an offensive superstar. So take with that what you want. Um, all the best to to James Harden, except for in the playoffs. And, you know, we'll see them. We'll definitely see Philly. I um I can see how in this case. I don't know. This <laughs> It, it tells me that Harden clearly has been affected by the commentary surrounding this whole move that he needed to get this off his chest. Because simply put, I don't see how mentioning KD deflects from your situation. I mean, you chose to get out after you chose to, to get on the uh, net ship. He definitely um, cares about what people say because something that has come up recently is Harden saying that he thinks he's uh he definitely changed the game of basketball. Oh and, yes. And, and the that, only thing that, that would cap off his resume would be winning a championship. And and to be honest, why not? I I, I don't disagree with that. He has he, not that he's changed the game, but he's definitely impacted the game. He's influenced the game. Now whether you find that to be a positive that's, influence that's what I agree with. I or agree with a negative said, influence is but not what he said. I yeah. agree with what you said, but not he said. He's he's impacted the game of basketball. He's left his imprint. Um, you can't tell the history of basketball and just leave James Harden out. So I'll give him that. But I can't say he's changed the game of basketball. Yeah, I wouldn't say changed. Because I'll, I'll say he changed it, but not for the good. 
How about that? And well, that's why I said whether that's why, a positive or negative influence is up to you. But, but why why I say he he didn't really change it is because when when they started seeing how the game was going, it's like they went the opposite way. Like that the refs have gone out of their way to denounce Harden's play style and avoid players from just living at the free throw line like they used to. It's like it took Harden exploiting it for it to change in the opposite way, but a change is a change. So shit, that may, it but, may be a change. <laughs> but the funny thing about that is too, is that while yes, you could say that, you know, if you want to influence that as a change, the man who presented that change has run away from it because clearly as Kobe once mentioned, that style of play isn't conducive to winning a title. You guys have mentioned it several times. And what has he gone on to do? To leave that style of play <laughs> to pursue a title is somehow, some way, in a different manner. And not so, win it, just like Antonio <laughs> ain't win it either in his style of play. So can we g- really give him credit for effective change that he would later then abandon since it's not working out? I don't, I don't know. Because honestly, when I think about it even more, his style of play is just like Mike D'Antoni on steroids. Like It's what D'Antoni promoted, but D'Antoni just never had a hard in level of player like Nash wasn't the athlete Harden was um and wasn't the Iron Man Harden was to to run that play style so but it's like I can't Which say like why when D'Antoni did was on the staff people really thought that the Rockets were going to maybe do something and as we all know they did not nope so. I mean the Nets when D'Antoni was on the staff so yeah I'm, I'm like they went because uh what they they went to the Western Conference Finals right with them yeah they have yeah. Yeah. They were like a game away from the finals, I think. Yeah, so they did do something. The problem was, one, he had a terrible game seven, right? And also the fact that he will always struggle because he went to CP3 season, to save him. That's what happened. Yeah, CP3 too. Yeah, that's true. But um, in the regular season, they would give him every call. In the playoffs, they're like, hey, you got to play through it. And it was annoying because we all know James Harden is very talented. He's great. But it was to the point where he was like playing for the whistle instead of just playing ball. And so that's always been something that's been difficult for him. Like, he's gotten better since he's gotten Philly. Um, but that was something I feel like he needed to adjust to. It's almost like he forgot he can just go out there and get a bucket instead of trying to mm-hmm. flop or do five step backs and then shoot the ball and they don't call travel or whatever. So, you know, I think it's one of those things, though, man. He did affect the game. Not necessarily the pot. Or I guess, like Jabari said, I guess it can be positive and negative because they did start to crack down, but we'll see because, you know, some players are getting more calls again, and we'll see in the playoffs too because obviously they always going to get superstar calls. So, I mean, we'll see, man, but it's, it's... But even that one is complicated by the layer of the fact, as Barry mentioned earlier in the episode, the referees are narrative-driven. So it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, they, they're somewhat consistent. It's just like, all right, they crack That's it true. down, but if they light, lighten up, is it a testament to Harden or more so just but, a testament to their inconsistency? Well, well, with James Harden, even with this article he did, I think on The Athletic, like it was almost like, give me my flowers, right? And again, mm-hmm. like, you you know, respect, you're, you're doing your thing, and definitely you will be talked about, you know, once you retire and things like that. But it was almost like, hey, I'm not the problem. Everyone else was the problem. You know, look at what KD was trying to leave too. Hey, I... I deserve credit like Curry. People talk about Curry changing the game. I changed the game. All I need is a championship, and then y'all going to elevate, which I wanted personally. Like, I still, he's still not going to be, was it, 
for sure my I will have to go down the list. I can't think of the top of my head, but he's for sure not passing Kobe, Michael, or uh D Wade. D Wade. No, he's not passing for sure not passing D Wade. So, you know, for me it doesn't change it, but he he almost says like, Oh man, if I win a championship, you know, now y'all gonna really just elevate me, which people do do. Exactly. I will say that he's right in that aspect. He is is right. right. I don't. Like, I don't do that. That's annoying to me. Like, all of a sudden, you know, you're just this amazing player because you won. It's like, well, no. It's like, like, for example, I didn't view Kevin Love different because he won a championship, right? He wasn't the leading guy. He wasn't the driving force. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, Charles Barkley would be the opposite of that. Someone who hasn't won, but, I mean, it's, it's tough to say at the time, you know, it's but you, like for example, Charles Barkley though he's still my my yeah, his accolades. Yeah. yeah, he's still but he's still my top like what top top two yeah probably top two power forward of all time for me, and he has no championship. You know what yeah. I mean? So for me, I look at the game a little different than others. So I do get what he's saying, but again, like I think Jabari is about to say, like even if they didn't win each championship, we know Embiid's gonna be the driving force. It's not gonna be him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um. I, I totally agree. And then it definitely goes to the fact that, again, if Harden does win it all, you got to look back at it. When did you win it? When you changed your system? Because even as we look as to his time in uh, Philly, as Jabari already mentioned, he's more of a playmaker. He's always been asked to be the playmaker when they came to uh, Philly. We haven't seen Houston Harden since he really left Houston. It hasn't worked. With the teams that he's been yeah, on, Houston Harden's gone. Um, Houston Harden is is he's gone. Had, he's and had a that few is, injuries, and and, and that, that actually matters era. at this point. Exactly, and that's the era that you know he wants to be credited for is Houston Harden. Houston Harden doesn't exist. How can we how can we give flowers and accolades to that aspect when it didn't accomplish anything? If you are to win something, it would be post Houston. It would be a a playmaker Harden that you have that you have to become. Which is not a bad thing. You have to, sometimes players have to evolve. We look at CP3. CP3 hasn't won anything yet, but even he has had to evolve. You remember how explosive he was when he was uh, first coming out in the league, but injuries required him to change that up. Derrick Rose, you know, Derrick Rose has gotten accolades because of what he was able to accomplish, even though it was short. But even he has had to change his play style. Blake Griffin has had to change his play style. So Harden has also had to change his place out. He is not Houston Harden. Houston Harden was a, a moment in time that is is over and done with. Now, if you are to win, like I said again, if you are to win Harden, we're talking about you being a different version of yourself. We're talking about you being different. We're talking about you buying into the system, no longer being the focal point of the system like you used to be. Because as you mentioned, Bari, it is Embiid's ship. This team is necessitated on Embiid playing well. We've seen what happens when Embiid doesn't play. We've seen what happens when Embiid doesn't have his best game. The team doesn't function. The team can't survive. Harden, you are here to help Embiid. You are not here to be helped, is is how I look at it. His legacy legacy can be improved by winning a championship, but it's not going to do much as far as like, oh, Harden, we see Harden in a whole new light. He's gonna skip. No, <laughs> he's gonna skip above two shooting guards because he won a championship. Like, nah. like <laughs> it's not context work. matters. If he wins a championship, yes, it improves his resume. If he wins a championship and is somehow the Finals MVP, 
it, it greatly improves his resume, but it doesn't mean he's leapfrogging over anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, winning a championship is the ultimate goal in the sport, but it's not the the end all be all of how we rate players and their careers. You know, a lot of a lot of greats haven't won. We talking Ewan, we talking shit, we talking Derek Rose, like you just mentioned. We talking um, it's it's just a lot of greats that haven't won a championship. Um, Pedal Malone, Stockton, like it's just it's a lot. You know what I mean? So it is important. It is vital to, I guess, to 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 completing that resume. Um, we would we look at KG different if he didn't have that championship. We probably would, but he'd still be. I mean, shit. I think he'd still be one of Abe's favorite players, regardless. So hell yeah, he still you know took I, the Timberwolves to the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> like, right, he still right. Did so that shit context right context up. matters, and the journey matters too, and and. The fact that you tried your all with the team that you had, whether you made it or didn't make it, it matters. That's why, that's why Barkley's still uh, um number two or number three power forward all time for Sean. That's why KG is your your top power forward of all time. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it, you know, you, context matters is what I'm trying to say. Context definitely matters when we're discussing these things. So yeah. So, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for. All new episode of the Full Court Press podcast. Happy Tuesday. Get your tacos, get your tequila, get your other thing that I do not say on this family-oriented program. But from the gentleman here, we bid you farewell. If you don't, if you don't hear from us before, uh, before yeah. Christmas, and if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas, um, Happy, Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa, happy holidays. If you don't celebrate anything, just have a good week. That's about it.